Are you struggling with your mental health? Somatic therapy is a type of therapy that helps treat PTSD and the effects from other mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. We're excited to be offering somatic therapy-focused sessions at Power of Your Own in Santa Barbara on Monday evenings at 7.15 and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. You can sign up at powerofyourown.com forward slash class schedule. Welcome to the Messy Progress Podcast, the show that will give you the courage and confidence to get messy, uncaged, and liberated so that you're living your most vibrant life. I'm your host, Adrian Smith, and I'm so stoked that you're here. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm talking with Tara Thomas. Tara is a passionate health coach dedicated to making a positive impact in the lives of individuals, families, and communities. She has an incredible personal journey of living with type 1 diabetes for over 33 years. She brings such a unique perspective and wealth of knowledge to her coaching practice. This conversation was a beautiful conversation to share with her and to share with you. And I had the honor of hiking Mount Whitney with Tara two years ago, and it was just such a splendor to be able to talk, not only you know do the hike, but we drove there together, we drove back together, we shared the entire experience. And so I'm just excited to share um, the other side of her that I didn't even get to know that much about until we had this conversation. Let's just jump right in. Yeah. So I would love for you, because I haven't heard this, I just, the question that I had asked you on that like intake was, where does your story begin? Mm-hmm. And you said your story begins when you fell to the floor in tears yeah. as you were measuring peanut butter based on yeah. a dietitian's suggestion after you received your type one diabetes diagnosis. 17 years old. It was my track season just started for um, high school. And I was like, that was my identity was a runner. I was, had, had come from a really good running um, high school in Spokane, Washington. We had won state. I was like one of, I think that year, my junior year, I was like number two runner. So your junior year track seasons really when, you know, all the colleges look at you, I was getting letters from Harvard and Stanford and, you know, I was super excited for my junior year and right. But I, my energy was really low. I was, I was really having a hard time with my energy. My weight had dropped and I just was like, I thought I was addicted to water. And so kind of came to a point and I got diagnosed with type one diabetes and was in the hospital for four days. And then I came home and being 17, you're independent. I was driving and no one was home in my house. And I had this meal plan that I was given to in the hospital from a dietitian. And I think my snack was peanut butter toast. And so I went to the, went to make my toast. I went to measure my peanut butter and peanut butter doesn't come out of a measuring spoon all that easily. And it was just my threshold of when everything came crumbling down for me that it just occurred, which essentially was an identity crisis. I'd gone from being this high performing high school athlete to, you know, a few weeks or so a month before no energy, I couldn't perform to getting this like chronic illness diagnosis where running was like, no more done stopped. We can't even look at that. You are now, we're now telling you what to eat, when to eat, when to dose, who you are, who can all of a sudden now the woodwork people start telling you what you can or cannot eat, what you should or shouldn't be doing. So at this point in your life, when autonomy is your breath and developing your sense of self and who you are and what you're interested in. I was like, shut down. 
And in that moment of trying to measuring peanut butter, it just kind of all crashing down for me. And so when you ask when your story started, I mean, there's all a lot of pivotal moments that I've had, but that one, I just came to the ground and was like, who am I? And, you know, it's not that the answers came in that moment, but I knew my journey was going to be different than a meal plan and people telling me who I was. I didn't know in that moment what that would look like over the next 33 years. And it's been continuously developed, but for me and realizing that the system essentially in a lot of ways gave me disordered eating because they took my sense of self from me and put it in a diagnosis and a, and a script of how I now, what I called health. And now it, you know, when you're, you talk about intuitive connection that was ripped right out of my soul. Well, it sounds like it was, it's like a both and it was ripped right out of your soul. And also that was like the beginning of you liberating yourself out of that system. True. Like knowing, knowing like in your body, like your body, I feel like I've heard this quote where when your tears are a sign that your body is telling you something is important. And we've all had crashing down to the floor moments and (laughs) we don't get to see the, the, the hours and hours and days and years of work that it takes to get off of the floor. Even if you've gotten off of the floor, you like are still feeling like you're on the floor in lots of ways. But right. that choice of, I'm not going to do it this way. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah, it took so many years to, to develop what I did do and how I could help other people. But that was definitely like, yeah, I'm, this can't just not work for me, you know? So that's when I started saying, I, I want to get more curious about what can work. Yeah. So what was that process like of getting more curious for yourself? Cause I've known you when you've been doing lots of different, I mean, this just in the recent past of, um, different, I mean, we've, we've been in hikes together where you're have two monitors, someone that you're monitoring into because they're doing a test and another that's your own. And, um, and that comes from a place of curiosity and also helping others. So where did that, or like, how did you start to get curious from the beginning? Well, I kind of call it a benefit of being 17 when I was diagnosed because I wouldn't really let anyone tell me what to do. So I started on a path of exploring and really figuring out how my life was going to fit into diabetes versus making um, or how how diabetes was going to fit into my life versus me fitting my life into diabetes. And so that was really, um, you know, from the get go, I, I unfortunately, my competitive life really got pared down. And so running became more recreational for me after that, though I did go on and run in college, but just more of the things around food and timing and dosing. I tried to stay really abreast on the latest research and the most current technology. So what you're referencing is I I got involved. It wasn't until um, after I had children, I got involved in clinical trials, but just really staying abreast of the latest and greatest in in technology with type one diabetes, but really it it was a perspective that I embarked on with my life of, of not letting, again, diabetes determine who I was and me figuring that out from the, you know, from the age of 17. Um, and yeah, I've gone on to do a lot of things. You know, I, I had a, I lived in Arizona and I want to do a marathon and I went to my endocrinologist at that time. And he said, yeah, no, you can't do a marathon. And so I went, got, stopped going to that doctor and I went and ran seven marathons. Like I just, found a way to do what 
I wanted to do things that brought me joy and diabetes came along with me. And at times that worked well. And at times that was more of a struggle. Um, but then finding sort of a harmonious relationship with that for me. And then I was able to kind of take what I learned to me. Diabetes has been my biggest gift because I have it 24, seven, 365 days a year, every second of every day. And so when you have something right there, you've really learned to get along with it. Well, you don't have to, and a lot of people don't, and that's unfortunate. And I love to work with people like that to help them get to their freedom with anything, whether it's diabetes or the relationship with eating or movement. Um, but I was at, on, on Saturday, I went to the Olympic spa down in LA with my daughter and one of her friends and one of her friend's mothers. And we were, um, I had to do a pump insulin pump site change on Saturday at at the counter, we had been in spas and hot tubs. And so the insulin can get denatured. And so it's the time you want to change it out and have fresh insulin so that it's effective. And the mother was watching me change my pod and she's like, oh, that must be hard. And it's like, well, blonde hair, I have diabetes. Like to me, it's really equal. I don't see it as anything different. If I was to see it different, my life would hold black. And it, it I get very um, activated and excited when I find an avenue to help someone with that again, whether it's diabetes or the relationship with eating or whatever it is as a coach that I can help them see and help shift perspective away from lack. If so, if, if I live, if every time I want to go change my insulin pump, I had a perspective that this is hard or some, how my life is less than because I have to do this, then I'm living up through a perspective that's not optimized for living my best life. Yeah. And that's something that you're really good at. Like, live in big. Yeah. I, I, you know, I live, I live. So I don't know that like someone else might see that and give me that feedback, but I just try to live the life that, you know, my best life is the way that people call it. But yeah. Yeah. For you, it's like the, that's what I like to, you know, I say living big because you can, you know, words are a world, but it's also someone might want to, um, I don't know, be a, I, this is a silly analogy, but sort of like someone wants to be a barista. I actually, I had this question. I asked, someone asked it, I was at a retreat and they said, if you could do any job and all jobs were paid the same, what job would you pick? And she said, I would be a barista for sure. And, um, and someone goes, oh, that's so fascinating that you would pick, you know, like a job where you're making minimum wage. And in the conversation that we were having, they also said, but like, you're all, you're over here complaining about, you know, this and that. And, but you would rather, you would rather actually just do this job that like anyone could do. Yeah. Anyone could, anyone can, can run a marathon if they decide to, anyone can right. live with diabetes if they decide to, anyone can be a barista. It's like, it is a choice of the matter. I can choose that this replacing this insulin pump is hard. I can choose that for right. me, just speaking for my eyes, like I could choose that hosting a podcast is hard. And I've done that for like a long time being like, I don't want to, I don't know. Like, I think we can ebb and flow back and forth between that, but just like someone's best life is being a barista and anyone can do it. Yes. The perspective that we can always bring in any moment is available to us. We can source it from only ourselves and not from outside of ourselves. Very true. Very, very true. That is one of my three tenants in coaching for sure. It's that self-love, self-compassion, you know, finding what that. was the last one? Self-love, self-compassion. Well, and, and I mean, it's, you know, getting back to words, like the way I define love is acceptance. 
So I could use those interchangeably when I talk about love. And um, my three tenets of coaching are compassion, curiosity, and connection. And I tie these to totems when I talk. And really, compassion is the biggest one, which for me is self-love, essentially, where you are in acceptance of where you are. You meet yourself. I tell the story with my clients where when you have that activation or those moments that feel unbearable, you go to that inner child or inner family, however you want to call it, with a bouquet of sunflowers and just observe and listen and just be there for that part of yourself. And I feel when you can you can do that and people can find that as a tool to live with in life, that it just opens up the magic. You, you gave me a book that um, the healing space. Yes. And that book captures that yes. around the holding space for the thing that's occurring. Yes. Cause we, we don't live in a bubble. Thank God we did for a couple of years. Right. But we don't anymore. <laughs> it didn't serve very many people. Well, but yes, no, it didn't. It's like, Sometimes we think like, oh, if only I could, I mean, I had the thought during that time of like, I just want to live in a van down by the river, like away from all the rules and places that are reasons that I'm not getting liberated. Um, and, you know, well, and discover you a van. liberation. <laughs> I, I know we bought a van, but we still have really done nothing with it. So that's fascinating. That is not true. <laughs> we took a trip in that van. We did. <laughs> we had um, the best accommodations and we were the ones that made it up that mountain. Yes, just we for were. anyone listening as Tara and I hiked Whitney together. almost two exact two years ago, almost exactly two years ago. And I, right now I'm transitioning from one uh, between diabetes, my business to terrathomas.com. And so I'm moving some blogs over and my son's helping me do this. And I just read um, the one I wrote about that trip, which is a unicorn day in a unicorn space, (laughs) which which is because of the book you're reading fair play. Oh yeah, at that that's time. why I wrote it that way because you were talking about that book on our drive up. So anyway, oh, yes, that was an amazing trip. That was a fun. Yeah. But anyway, but talk, use your van. Talk about that like healing space. The like that I feel like you you've taught me that in a way that I hadn't heard it before. Of yes. like just what you just described. Like go to that little girl family system and hold a book. Yes, flowers to hold space. Talk about like how you actually do that because it's conceptually like I get it. Right. And I can do it, but to, um, I've also, I feel like been in the practice of self-awareness for like 15 years as a te- yoga teacher. And, and like, I'm still continuously screwing that up of self-acceptance and awareness. Right. Um, right. but like layman's terms of like, how do you go to that part of yourself that's messy and human with a bouquet of flowers and love it? Well, you, you can learn a lot from where you find the ease to go to the joy. So when you think about it, ultimately, when I think of a life path, I think of being able to go to both of those places with equal relevance and equal value in your life, whether it's joy or I call it emotional activation um, to where your world starts getting chaotic and eyes swell up or whatever. I call that emotional activation. And when that occurs, it's really being able to separate yourself out from circumstances, conditions, situations and others, and to give that that space where you bring a bouquet of flowers and you listen to the story. And it's kind of an, it's not, we're not attuned to that process, right? We, we get, it's so easy for us, especially before we mature developmentally in our nervous systems to put it on other things. That's what kids do. They, someone, a boy takes, you know, a boy takes, or a, a girl takes a girl, a boy takes a boy, a toy. It's the other person's fault. I'm going to grab it back. 
that's why I get mad because I put, I project that emotion onto another person. Well, as adults, that needs to evolve to where we start to hold that and see that that is part of our sense of self that needs to develop. So when that occurs, and it's the first thing is non-judgment, self-compassion, um, a beginner's mind to where you just also start. called like what people, I, I don't know if it's in that book or I'm reading another several books at the same time right. about mindfulness and mindfulness is the practice of seeing and being with something without judgment. Yes. The key yes. part is non-judgment. Yes. We, we get, it's so, we feel so set in the illusion of security and control with dualistic thinking when placing things in black or white. That gives us a sense of safety. It's an illusion. So the more we can back away from that and be in this place of just observing without needing to categorize things into black or white, good or bad, and we can just observe, we just gather information. I'm someone who I wear a medical device and I get 255 glucose readings a day. And there are a lot of people out there living with diabetes that every single time they get a number, they categorize it into good or bad. And that is very difficult to keep away from your sense of self. So I've been given this gift to really see this real time, a lot of the seconds of my life. So it was really giving that space and seeing these things in our life is just information. And when we can observe, again, have a beginner's mind, mindfulness, non-judgment, however you want to access that for yourself and just observe, then we can start to see what's at the root of the story and the root of the emotion that needs to be processed. When we start trying to layer all these other things on it is when it kind of stays stuck deep inside of us. So we ha- we all know what's most accessible for us as individuals right now. And first we know, and then we align that knowing with your subconscious or that intuitive feeling or your nervous system. Again, words, however you want to look at that, but it's easy to have the knowing. We read the books, we see the processes, we do our meditation but it's when we get activated, how we show up for ourselves, that is really when you have the most effective opportunity to re, to uncondition and recondition ourselves and how we can show up for ourselves. And it's, it sounds like it's in that. It's like the activation that is the is, growth oh, piece. I call it activation, the invitation through activation. Well, there's a lot of growth opportunities. I I don't want to take away that they don't exist. I mean, I've been doing these sunrise swims for the last four years and I don't, I don't get activated, but showing up with consistency and ritual in a space that holds me when meets me where I am. And there's a lot of growth that that, there's a lot of opportunity for growth in that space. Times there might be activation or times might, might not be activation, but if you can Find a way to show up with compassion when activated and start giving yourself space. That's when things become attuned into your subconscious. I am kind of talking woo-woo a little bit here, but, and that's a lot. But it also sounds like it's like the, if you've never paid attention to being activated and then all of a sudden you do pay attention, it's like, whoa, mind-blowing moment. Our kids have had a rough time these last few years, and instead of being on the fixing end of wellness, waiting for symptoms to arise, we want to be on the preventative and fun side. Creative Expression for Kids is a three-week class giving our children creative spaces to learn about themselves and how they connect with others in a way that is fun. The fun starts September 26th. 
To get more information and to sign up, visit powerofyourown.com forward slash class schedule. And then when you're enjoying the the non-activating times of, wow, I'm the sun is gorgeous. Like yeah. I can actually be in gratitude more of that and and yes. also be in really frigid cold water at the same time. Yes. Oh, and I, I have this practice I definitely will talk about with my cold water, but you know this. And probably my first real in the face teacher was my son as a parent. He lives, he beats to his own drum and he lives his own life and he has an amazing mind. But I had to learn my response to him as a mother came from my capacity. So my, my reactions and my responses had nothing to do with his behavior. Had to do with my ability to show up with full capacity for him as a mother. And that is that I had to continue and continue because I'd show up in these spaces like depleted, yelling, coercing, trying to manipulate (laughs) compliance to just do things and none of it ever worked. And so I really had to reverse engineer to get to where I wanted. And it's that um, it's really recognizing that someone else's or, you know, you can attach this also to diabetes, how something else is behaving is not your excuse to show up without love. Including your body. Including your body, including yourself, including your self-talk tracks. Yeah. And just, you know, you, you said it, it's like, you know, including diabetes, but it's also the, you know, we're a part of the running community. I'm not as much. So lately, I don't know how much you've been, but I just remember always going to like group runs and like the first thing. And the only thing that a lot of people are talking about is like, what's hurting on them. Oh, this is injured. That's injured. I haven't been able to do this race because, you know, I pulled my hamstring and it's like, I, I don't even know how we got on that topic, but it's that the conversation then is all the energy is all around this thing of mine. You know, my body is not showing up for me the way that I want it to show up. There's a problem here and it's not supposed to be happening. And it's back to the the good, bad thing that you have to, you, you could look at every single day and categorize it that way is, yes. you know, um, I heard something recently about, you know, we're all fighting essentially, cause we're all every day getting older. We're all fighting aging. And it's like, well, why fight it? It's going to happen naturally. So just keep stepping I, with it. Like, however you, it's going. I hear a lot um, like, you know, I, I have obviously a lot of people I follow or that follow me on, on social media that have diabetes. And I will hear often from parents, I will fight every day for a cure. And I'm like, do you know what it's like to be a child of someone, of a parent? And they, they have something about them that makes you show up every day that you have to fight for. And they're responsible for that. And it's like, why are you choosing to wake up every day to fight? Or the other day I saw, I mean, even it's like people with diabetes, I think it's a diabetics fight more fights before 5am than most of the world. And I'm like, I just don't hold a perspective on fighting. Kind of like what you're saying about aging. Like that's the energy you're bringing to your life. If you're fighting something, like you're wasting a shitload of time, not living and loving life. If you're trying to like yeah. conquer something all the time or if well, we know a lot, I mean, there's lots of ways you can frame that, but the fight, like surrender. Yeah. There's no, there's no ease in fighting. Yeah. There's no achievement. There's no, like you're, you don't get anywhere. 
especially like you said, with aging or, or t- aging and diabetes are two really good things. What are you going to fight? Like, yeah. so for every second of every day, you're going to put on like, pull the armor and go after what you can conquer. Like, I don't know. Personally, it just didn't sound fun to me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I like to laugh. I'm going to go sit by bonfires, you know, and dance yeah. till sunrise. And I don't need to go fight with a spear at anything. <laughs> yeah. Reality. This is what yeah. it is. I'm yeah. going to be with it again, back to the, you know, holding flowers for this thing. And I think yes. it's, I mean, I, I don't know what, you know, if, I mean, I just have a, I have a kid that doesn't want to eat anything other than noodles. And like, if I fight with that on a regular basis, man, our house is not pleasant. Yeah. And there's times where it's like, okay, it's kind of mind blowing to me that a child is, that's almost six has lived a majority of her life <laughs> on noodles. <laughs> but it also is, it shows me, I mean, rowing across an ocean and not getting much rest and like the body is really resilient and adaptable. And, um, I think, yeah, there's always better ways that we can, I say better as in like healthier, you know, you, you brought up like having rituals is when we don't have rituals, then we end up, you know, we could be watching Netflix all day. If we're not tr- like, active, we don't have a job and we're not actively working towards getting a job, then we can play that role of like, I'm just fighting the world. Like no one will hire me. I mean, there's so many ways that we can say that we're fighting and playing probably that role of victim, you know, it's the McDonald's that made me fat. It's like all of those kind of stigmas that we've all heard. And, um, and back to that, it's perspective and it's, it's, How do I want the day to be Jason and I, my husband, um, that, you know, you, he, and I were talking about how, um, just related to food. He said something like, well, you know, my parents, they fed me out of like, we we got like spinach out of a can and all these things. He's like, and I turned out fine. And I was like, yeah, I know I get it. But like, we also know better now, like what are the right things? better choices to make when it comes to, you know, the energy that food has that we put in our body and like the people that we're around, the thoughts that we have, the fighting versus not fighting, the ease versus creating resistance. And so, you know, with that is, I'm sure that over the course of these three decades that you've lived with this type one diabetes to, to, I'm my, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be aging you more than your beautiful age that you are, but is like, you've <laughs> gone through, years. okay. Um, you've gone through probably a lot of different iterations of this for me, and then it doesn't work for me or this works. And now I'm in a new, um, and you, you mentioned the sunrise swim. So share about some of the rituals that you have, you, you do currently that like help get you into this state of being able to keep the perspective, the positive perspective that you have, you know, with all the ways that you want to live your life. Cause it doesn't just happen is what I'm trying to get at with people is like, you were, you were born that you loved running. You were also born with, you know, type diabetes, type one diabetes that occurred and showed up later. But we all have access to this in ourselves. There's nothing special, more special about you or me. It's more of a matter of like, I'm making this choice on a regular basis. Some days the choice is easier than others to probably jump in the ocean and others. It's like all the resistance there and we do it anyway. 
So talk about that. Like what's, what are your routines and what have you fought against thought? And then um, you well, did I, you... I, I like the, the sunrise swim one, because, you know, I, the, these last four years, I have been in a contentious divorce and it was the path for me where I really found something that I could show up and be consistent with. And all I had to do was show up and it met me where I was. And, and then there's a lot of like, physiological and things that happen when you go into cold water. And then I started doing it wherever I was, but I just had to show up. And then I started incorporating some journaling or some spiritual attunement of whether it was meditation or reading a book or doing some journaling. Um, And then when I would go into the water, you know, and you talked about how things changed, I would really start to look at the sensation separate from who I was. So I would say, I'm experiencing cold. I'm not cold. That I would just, I would start using the, the language around, I, I, this is what cold feels like, but it's not that I'm cold. It's just, this is the experience of cold. And that just really helped me. Um, the consistency of that ritual for me allows me when life outside of that ritual becomes overwhelming to access that pathway of being with sensation or um, activation kind of separate from myself with a capital S, right? And so it's it's something that's temporary. It's something that's figure outable. It's, you know, it's its, its own sort of identity in a way. And so that that's one particular um, ritual that I do that I, I find a lot of joy in. Like my daughter, Lake, she goes to Santa Barbara Middle School and that's how I got kind of turned on to this ritual on Fridays. Um, they, as a school, they went, they go down and they meet at sunrise and they circle up and they would give um, gratitude. They would make announcements, they'd give little massages and then they'd have some word and they would all run into the ocean together and come out and then enjoy donuts and coffee. And um, then it stopped during COVID and I chose to keep going by myself throughout COVID. And then um and then, you know, and then it started back up at some point after COVID. So that's where I got started on that ritual. Um, other rituals, you know, well, and I love that. Cause there's like a couple things that you're talking about. There is like, you're the act of showing up at a certain time yes. and that changes because the sun rise time changes. Yes. So there's like a, a ritual of the season of nature. That's like, you're allowing for it to be earlier at some times later at some other times. Right. And like that itself creates a rhythm that you're allowing for that. I like, it's, it's always important. I think to recognize when we get in these, like the, the time changes, it's like drastic at times. It could be, you know, yeah. hopefully I think we're not going to be changing our clocks anymore, but like an hour, two hours, it's like all of a sudden now it's like, you know, the sun seems like it's coming up at like five 30 in the morning. Like that takes some dedication and discipline to be like, okay, world, I got you. Like we're doing this sunrise right. early. And, um, you know, I'm you know what it's to funny it. that and gets me every time is to think I'm the one moving, <laughs> not the sun. That you're the one. <laughs> it's not, it's yeah. not sun moving. I'm the one moving <laughs> as the yeah, sun comes totally. up, you know, the world's moving. I, every, every week I think I chuckle because it's like, we're, our, again, That's perception, right. we think the sun's moving, but no, we're the one moving. But yeah. Um, and I think it's like the not having attachment to it all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, running a business and the 
yeah. it happens where schedules change and someone gets yeah. sick. Right. Right. And then you get out of the routine for that period of time. And then right. it's like, well, you can choose always to get back into it or Absolutely. you don't have to, and you find a new thing that you like, but, um, you know, don't blame the, don't blame nature in a way of like, oh, it, it slowed me down. I got sick. And then I got out of this thing. And, um, it's like, well, you know, I don't know. I oftentimes will look at those times where we get sick or the days are shorter in winter and that kind of daylight. It's like, maybe this is the time where we don't do as many things outdoors, but like, do we pay attention to that intuition? And, and again, it's another opportunity for compassion. So there's a reason whether, again, if, if it's travel, you know, you're on an airplane, it's or whatever, you're not going to be able to do it, but it's also an opportunity for this is just where I am right now. Right. And yeah, it can always, you can always come back to things or you can evolve to do a new ritual. And again, it's just that showing up in a place of not judging it. We get, it's, we, we, we condition ourselves to be so critical of ourselves ways. We talk to ourselves in ways we would never talk to a stranger nor anyone we loved. And um, it's those moments of when we're sick traveler, or there's a change, you know, people can find such security in doing the same thing all the time. And then it goes away and there's so much chaos. They feel so unstable. They don't know what to do. And again, it's just showing up with that. I'm here. This is just information. Oh, staying up late at night and watch binge watching until two in the morning might not make it easy to get up at five 30 in the morning for sunrise swim. Maybe next week I don't do that. You know, you just look at things as gathering information. Yeah. And also like, wow, that doesn't work for me. Like, oh, I did that that one time. There's nothing wrong with it. And I did not do well the next day. Right. Mentally, physically, emotionally. And then that's the information of, do I want to keep doing that? And so that intuition, I think you brought that kind of word into this, you know, at the beginning is it's, it's all in there if we're listening and paying attention well, and that's and really the take something. Line. Yeah. And that, that's the bottom line in the book that I gave you the healing space is it's like right now, every single one of us has inside of us optimal well-being, And it's, we have conditioned our lives to reduce access to that throughout lives with experiences and stories. And so what I love to do in my health coaching is I call it the, to develop their unfuck with ability right? Let's develop your own fuck with ability where you move back toward what is art. You already there access to themselves. So you, we have it all inside of us right now. In this exact What's like an exercise that someone you would take someone through in that? Well, one that, would be the, it, like, there's a part of me that I, I mean, I love the word fuck. You, most people know that about me. And it's like, there's like, yeah. sometimes it's like harshness. Like I'm going to be unfuckable yes. with like, don't, yes. you know, I'm going to put my armor back on. Right. So unfuck with a bull is really when you find a peace and calmness and in a freedom of, of the things that surround you, circumstances, conditions, people, situations, you're just able to have that developed sense of self. So that's how I define unfuck with a bull unfuck with in your, and, and we can have it one second, not have it another. So it's never an arrival. It's a ability. So that's why I call it, I call it unfuck with ability at developing your own fuck with ability. And, um, one exercise is absolutely what I just shared with you earlier about bringing up, 
bouquet of sunflowers. And actually that was developed for my daughter. My daughter was going through a really hard time a couple of years ago. And I had kind of attached sunflowers to compassion in my coaching. And, and I just saw her using a lot of language. Sometimes we'll call it the negative lenses that you have on the negative glasses. And, and I just asked her to sit on the couch and I kind of had her close her eyes. And I said, you know, that part of you that has pain, like, and I'm going to get emotional, right? Because it's our kids, but it's like, let's just take her a bouquet of sunflowers and just sit with her right now in the meadow and be with her right now with where she is. She sounds like she's going through a hard time. And I realized after doing this exercise and we got to the point where now I can just say, when I hear her harsh talking, I can just say sunflower because she's attached it to that. And she can get give herself access to that type of compassion, self-compassion. Mm. And um, so that's, that's one, that's, really where I start off. And that's a, that's one I invite everyone to utilize. Um, uh, another one, you know, we talked about curiosity or a beginner's mind. So I will call it the textbook or, or a narrative. It's like, what, what's your narrative? Or, you know, I'll get up and I'll, I, I got this from, I did a workshop a few years ago for a cheerleading team in Arizona. And I brought my son's AP biology book and I just opened it to a random page and read a paragraph. And I'm like, how emotional are we about this paragraph? Not really, zero. So how can you show up that way in your life with just seeing what information is being provided versus all these attachment to stories, which we all know come from our past. You know, rarely do they have to do within the moment. Um, so that's another kind of something I'll work through with my clients. And then and in, in these are the tenets to my coaching. And the, and the last one, and you even in your description of your podcast, I read, you call it intuitive connection. And it's that it's a connection. So I, I have a, a heart carabiner and, you know, we have the ability to open a carabiner to have a, a flow of an open heart and just to be open to what we're walking into. And, and then it's that energy that we share with these things, whether it's people, circumstances, conditions. Um, and, and, and that is where that is to me is I talk about the magic and in, 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 in all of life is that and that's why I call it between diabetes. It's my, it's the way I'm showing up that energy between me and my diabetes that determines for me, my best life. And it's that way. And all these different things that we have in our parenting and our jobs, with our neighbors, the way we drive our cars, what energy are we showing up with? Not that there's a right or wrong or a good or bad, but that's where we have choice of perspective. Mm-hmm. And that it's like, I like that you kind of drew this picture for those people that are listening of the hand placement. It's like, there's me here. And then there's, you know, a foot away from me, you're placing your hand as then there's space from it and being able to see that there is space. There's space. Like when you were describing the sunrise water jumps of, it's not, it's not a permanence that's over here fixed inside of ourselves. It's becomes there's space between, oh, this feels like the sensation of cold and that gets placed outside of ourselves versus I am. And in the I ams, I can picture a couple instances where I've heard people use words and like strong statements of like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to die or I'm going to die. Like we were on a hike once and and I was all of a sudden like triggered by that just because there was such a fixed way of being in that moment of like, is that really the case right now? So let's take a moment and see what's really occurring, right? We don't have any water and we will in the next hour. So we know that we won't die within one hour of not having water. Like let's, let's go through it. Like, and that those things happen all the time in moments. I was, um, 
this is a funny story. We were in Hawaii last summer with some friends and um, kayaking through Captain Cook with our kids. And we were like, we strung our kayaks along Mm -hmm. each other and little, um, there's a couple like Reese was like four or my friend had her daughter and her daughter had fallen asleep in the kayak. And she was like slumped over, just like fully, just like looked passed out asleep and and my friend's like turning around and she just like all of a sudden up and panicked. She's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Like something's really wrong. And she like grabbed her daughter, like put her on her lap. And, and, and I started to walk her through, I was like, okay, let's talk about what could be happening right now. We are on water, which might make anyone sleepy. She (laughs) hasn't had lunch, which also might make anyone sleepy. And we just like started to walk through like the possibilities of what the things are versus like there is an emergency there is a fire going on you know and that's nervous system response where we can't access any ability to problem solve right we can't see a way through we can't see a way out and it sounds like in your like whole role that you hold with not only your family but your clients is like we're holding the space for perhaps a different path than this one that's not working Mm -hmm. so that you can like in your using the words from your site is like live a fulfilling life for you back to that like you could be a barista you could be living with diabetes or you can't but like this is what's what we've been given and so now I can to be a choice with living the most fulfilling life for me where I am right now and to say that kind of thing about the fuckable with fuck with ableness is like at one <laughs> unfuck with able <laughs> is in one moment we're gonna be like oh my god I'm totally owning it and then the next moment not and then it's the real like again the separation yes oh there oh my gosh I'm being messed with yes okay here I am I'm being west messed with and it's like it's like this it's like I'm snapping like snap 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 it can happen so quickly very quickly. if we're not paying attention to how much we are like fizzing on the inside when we we tend to I want to jump to like, like if if we're starting to hear ourselves use a lot of I should be or I need to be doing things, that's a great uh, reminder to find space around the language you're using for yourself. Because if you, because there's that, that's inherent with shame and guilt. So I should be doing this. I need to be doing this. I should be doing this. I need to be doing this. You're, you're living in a space where you're not are currently and it lacks gratitude and it lacks appreciation. And um, there was something you just said about the space that was made me bring that that up about, I, I think, yeah, like you said, and, and kind of my whole philosophy is just finding that, oh, because if all of a sudden you need to be over here, it, there's no space there to be where you are. And so just th- that first invitation isn't to be where you might want to be, it's to find space so you can get there sustainably. So a lot of people, I deal with this a lot when um, people come to me wanting to lose weight or, or have, you know, they're, they're not in a, in a healthy relationship with their bodies and it's giving them permission to be where they are. And then first finding space, cause you're, you're, you can't jump into where you want to be without first honoring where you are. And that takes space between those two places. Yeah. What's your, um, do you have like a practice that for people to do. Cause I feel like I've heard a lot lately of like people being stuck, like stuck where they are. Like they want to be here. They want to be unstuck, but it's like that you are, we're feeling stuck 
Well, just using that as like a simple term. And you yeah, use, it, you said like I someone just, wants to be, yeah. You know, obviously it's contextual with where they are, but um, I would probably, you know, I recently, my, my business coach was talking to me about some of my own barriers. He's like, he's like, well, I see this and this and this, and, and how would you health coach someone out of your own self. And I was like, Oh, good God. So I'm like, all of a sudden he's put me into this role of health coaching myself through some of my business barriers. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I look at is where's the joy start there. What brings you joy to help bring awareness to what priorities are because often people will want to be somewhere else and that's okay but it's really not that important to them. It's just, they think that's where they want to be and, and drop the judgment of all the places. Right. So, and look at where your joy is. That gives you awareness around perspective and then find more of that and, and create your narratives and dialogue around what brings you that joy, what brings you that sense of unfuck with ability, what it's there. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when I begin to work with them, they've never even thought along those lines. They, they mm-hmm. couldn't identify joy. So then that's where the work begins. We start with, okay, let's, 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 let's deconstruct that. Or I will often use the word you were talking about it a second ago with around, pers- you know, when you have this really activated perspective or it's like, are you open to a reframe right now? And I, I, I use a lot of language with my clients that, um, that optimizes self motive. So if you look at autonomy, competency, and relatability, and you, you, you have these three areas and you think of a Venn diagram, I'm using my hands a lot for those listening, but think of Venn, Venn diagram for where they all overlay optimally in the center is where, when those three are in balance, you find self motive optimized. And so I work with my clients around those kind of three things. And, and that's where I'll ask, like, are you open to a reframe versus me offering the reframe? Because if I offer the reframe, it's they're not they're not seeing themselves as being accountable for the reframe. They're seeing me as being accountable. So it's really developing that competency, that sense of mastery around these these concepts and these ideas and this perspective, and them owning it and finding autonomy around it. They're choosing these things, and then they can start to implement that in their their lives when we're not coaching. Yeah, and with it, when it comes to the joy piece of start with joy and yes creating it, seeing it, cultivating it. Is it something that you see people need to like get in an activity that brings joy versus like gratitude practice of closing your eyes and see what you're joyful, like grateful for? It it really, I meet them where they are with it. There's people okay. that are across an entire spectrum of it. I Over time, I hope that it becomes more of an internal resource for them, but most people don't come to me at that place. Most have attached mm. it to a lot of it's around family and relationships, which is fantastic it, 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 as, as long as they can access it. Um, but most of the time I am a health coach, which is I don't diagnose, treat, prescribe. I really work with people on behavior change, finding sustainable behavior change around a variety of health domains. So um, when people come to me, they, they bring me problems and I really try to shift them towards solution finding. So it's when you, all of a sudden you ask someone, where's the joy? They're so often asked, what's the problem? Let's go into detail with a problem. And I try to zoom out from the problems and zoom in on where the joy is. And it's that shift that I work with them in, in these areas of where they've, they're so used to the way our culture is, is let's fix 
the problem to find a solution versus like, let's look towards the solution. How do we want to be showing up? Where is the joy? So it's a, Mm -hmm. it's, I I just find it's contextual. It's, it's really individualized how people are. Uh, Most people come to me with a problem and they don't, they don't even have a thought around in working with someone to solve, to fix themselves around the idea of joy. There's just a lot of work there yet. Yeah. And so where for you, where is something or some, uh, what's some activity that is a joy creator for you that you wouldn't know based on anything that you've, like, if we were to search Tara Thomas on the, I mean, sure there's a lot of them, but like, you know, go to your website on your social media is like, what's something else that creates and cultivates joy for you that is like a hidden secret. Oh, hidden secret. That's not like, it's funny because I've been asked like, if you were the last person in this world, what would you want to be doing? And that's neat. Like I'd find chunks of five mile trail and run them in rivers and lakes and oceans to swim in. I'll give you an example for mine, just because it's like something that just popped in my head because you have a plant behind you is I love the smell of sage. Like I have that I walk my dog past and I will always like rub my hand through the sage and then just smell it as I keep walking. And then until I can't smell it anymore, but like, no one knows that that's like about you. I wouldn't call it a fetish, but it like, it just brings me, I'm like, I love this. And then I want everyone to smell it, but like, no one thinks it smells as good as me. (laughs) What about, is it the same for you with burning sage? No, totally different. I was curious because I, my, when you got, you were here, that's the first time Sage had been burnt at my house um, last month. So um, I was just curious. Um, For me, it's, uh, oh, this is a fun one. And the first time I had access to it was when um, my kids were three and seven and we were boarding an airplane to go to Costa Rica for two weeks and seeing my two littles in front of me with little backpacks on their back and us getting ready to go on an adventure was just like flooded. And to this day, when me and my two kids are somewhere and we're embarking on an adventure, I am just, I am just overflowing with just an abundance of that, just, just joy. Like me and my two kids, and we're just embarking. I haven't even started. It's like the idea of planning a vacation, right? But like we're just getting going. I just had the opportunity to spend two weeks with them in Thailand in March, and it was just like that just brings me just absolute alignment and joy. So yeah, that's one thing. That's like, um, one of my coaches, she says, when we get done with the days and I do this with my teachers and my trainings is like, what's your favorite frame from the day. And it's like a way of, you know, cultivating some gratitude, but like, I can picture that for you and I can picture the image and just in that alone is that practice of, yeah, sure. It's an external, but it's in the yes. past. I don't have to have that be happening for me at this moment in order for me to create joy, but I can reference joy. Yes. And then I can like, as I close my eyes, like I can feel it in my body, even just your picture that you created of like how much sweetness there is there. And like my whole, I can like feel like the tingles in my arms. Yeah. And, and I, I will give that as a tool to my clients. I call it the traffic light where, um, when you, when you find yourself sitting in a traffic light or waiting in the line somewhere, 
to start to attack, like, do like you just had me create, share with you that. And for myself, I would then say, okay, now when I am waiting at a traffic light, or I have a moment for just pulling out my phone to just saturate my cells in that feeling. And so mine would be the, the visual of that. And I have a picture of my kids ahead of me when they were walking down the, the, to the end of the airplane when they were three and seven. And it's like, oh, feel that and saturate yourselves in that, in the joy. So mm-hmm. I call it the traffic light. Do the traffic light. Traffic. Don't close your eye. Like, but yeah, yeah. you know, go reach for the feeling like you're referencing. Yeah. Super yeah. important. You know, and we, like I said, I just see so much of our culture focused on that. We, we need to change who we are to get somewhere better. And it's like, well, we got it all right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all available to us in this exact moment. Yeah. So, you know, I had a client last summer who she went, she went swimsuit shopping. She was super self-deprecating, really did not feel good after she went swimsuit shopping. And I, she was getting ready to go on vacation. And I said, before you walk out into the beach that day, close your eyes and imagine yourself with the exact body you've always dreamed of and present yourself that day with that energy. And she ended up creating a screensaver she now has on her phone that she sees every day around that, because that gave her access to that joy. She thought she needed to be in a certain body to feel. And, um, so that was kind of a fun. fun Yeah. It is that feeling that, yeah. And then it's because we can picture it. We're able to do that. And sometimes not if we're like, so stuck, like you're so stuck on the problem versus having someone just offer up this one little tool of it, we've all had some moment, even if it's like, we can't even see it at the moment in time of like, I can't even, you know, kind of feeling resistant. Like there's no joy happening anywhere right now. We can always point to some moment and that's, that creates a new space, a new space of like relaxation for then the body to the brain to relax the nervous system to relax and then stepping into a different future and a solution becomes possible because we're now more open. Like when I, when you were describing that and I felt my body getting tingly, it was like at that moment too, it was just like things started to relax even more than they had been. Right. And it's the paying attention for it versus what you just started to talk about of like grasping and seeking. I've got to have something different, a different body and um, different health than the one that is yeah. currently occurring. Absolutely. And then what? Yeah. Well, and I think one thing about the healing space that I really appreciate is it kind of comes full circle back to not judging either experience. So like when you Mm -hmm. are having a hard time, it's not as though there's anything that needs to shift. You're just in a space of having a hard time, just as when you have a space of overflowing with joy. And then that at times they can even both be simultaneous. So like I moved last October and I was leaving a home that I'd lived in for 13 years. And I love that home. I raised my kids in that home. And I was, I had a lot of emotion around that change, but um, then I was moving into a home that I was very excited about. And I really was, I had a lot of intention around honoring both of those experiences as, as individual and, um, on their own. And that's just one example of 
when, when the goal isn't to have joy all the time, because then it wouldn't be joy, right? You, it wouldn't, you could, you, you can't respect and fully have joy without the moments of where you're experiencing and growing and, and dealing with the deep levels of activation that you've chose mm-hmm. to protect against over throughout your life. And so, but it is showing up when those, that activation does occur for you in a way without judgment, in a way of letting it, giving it space so they can voice what it is to be metabolized and processed. And again, that's a lot of what the healing space is about. I mean, imagine, and, and I, I have definitely, um, improved in my journey over probably the last four to six years about being able to show up in activation by giving it space. It takes reprioritizing your life at times. Like it might mean I have to cancel something with a friend that evening so I can give myself space, or it can be 15 minutes, or it can just be a quick meditation. It changes for everyone, but again, holding them both as, as valuable in what they're showing up with. Yeah. And taking care of yourself is what it sounds like in that way. It's like taking care of both of those parts of you and the part that sometimes needs a little bit more care is the one that's in a little bit of a tumultuous time. It's not like, you know, you, we, we don't keep, if we keep the plans with our friends when we're in that space and then it's like, we get hit with, at least I'll speak from eyes. Like I get hit with like, oh, I have to do this. I said I would, and I should, yes. and I have to keep my plans. And then it's like, it kind of festers that. And yes. of course, like, you know, most, most of the times when I stick to the thing that I said I would do, it's, it turns out just fine. But there are those moments of like intuitive hits where I think we get, Absolutely. we don't listen to where they're like, Hey, guess what? You're like, this is happening often. Like the, I feel like it's almost like a button, like my buttons pushed, push, 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 push. And then you keep saying more, saying yes to more and more and more. It's like, maybe not. And then learning about yourself of, you know, where the threshold is for the, the meetups and things that then can wear us down when it, they're originally supposed to like build us up and, and being more discerning, I guess, back to that, like intuition of it's, it doesn't look the same every week. It doesn't look the same, even over the course of waking up at say five, 6am, whatever. It's like, just because you go and do a sunrise swim doesn't mean the day is all peachy. It means that there's some space that got held for there to be more discerning when there's the trigger button that gets kind of pushed. It sounds like well, and, and you know this really well because you're a mother that there's seasons. I mean, taking care of Reese now is a lot different than Reese was first born, right? And every all of that's dynamic, like that taking care of yourself and what that looks like. It's going to evolve a lot like your your parenting does. It's going to change and yeah. you're still going to show up with the, the same the amount of love and build capacity, but how you do that is going to change. And so there's always going to be these seasons and it's dynamic on what that looks like. Like I remember when my kids were little, it was, you know, make sure I carved out time to go out with my girlfriends, but that didn't always look like what I needed at the time, but I didn't know that then. Now I can see that much more clearly than I could back then, but you just got to be intuitive and check in with yourself and be honest with yourself. Well, thank you for this. You're welcome. I, I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, that hour went by really quickly. Thank you for listening. 
If what you heard today lit you up in any way, please take the time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. It'll help us reach more people in courageously and confidently rocking life. Make sure you follow me on Instagram to see the messy fun I'm up to at the Adrian Smith. And check out my current wellness events and coaching programs on my website, alignedlivingnow.com. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, get messy.